We're going to be continuing for the next three weeks on the topic of prayer and how it relates to us. Today, the title of my message is Why Pray? Why Pray? And you have within your bulletins and one of the flaps uh, an outline of seven thoughts that I want to present to you this morning as it relates to our life and why we should pray. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Father God, over these next few moments, I pray that we would have a focused attention on your word. That we would focus our hearts on what you have for us, Lord, that we might be a praying people. Because a praying people is a powerful people. Because we recognize the power of your Holy Spirit within our lives. Lord, there are those that, that battle daily with this idea of prayer and with the philosophy of prayer. And I pray that you would instruct us, O oh God. Lord, if you don't anoint this word today, it's merely going to be words that will be wasted. So we depend upon your Holy Spirit to guide us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe that the Lord wants to free us from past failures, especially past failures that are related to prayer. And therefore, we begin to look at this series today on, on the topic of why pray. And our general superintendent, Dr. George Wood, whom you saw in that video clip at the very early part of our service that was commemorating today being the 10th year anniversary of 9-11, had written several articles on prayer that I had been reading. And, and it's actually from these articles that I'm drawing some thoughts for this, this next series over these next three weeks. There's a story I read in an article of Ministries Today magazine some time ago that spoke about a pastor who was really wondering what the impact of prayer would be in his community and within his church. So he randomly selected 160 names from his local phone book. And he had his secretary type them up on two lists, 80 names on one list and 80 names on another list. And with these two lists, he took one list of 80 names and he stuck it in his desk drawer and he closed it. And the other list of 80 names he had run off so that everybody in his church could have that list. And he asked them to do this. He said, I want you to take this list of 80 names and I want every one of you to pray for every name on this list every day for the next month. Every name, every day, one month. At the end of that month... They begin to make calls and he took out that list of 80 names that he had put within his drawer and he called every one of them and he asked them one simple question. Would you be willing to receive a visit from somebody within our church? Of the 80 names that nobody had prayed for, there was one individual or one family that said, yes, we would be willing to receive a visit. From the 80 names that the entire church had been praying for an entire month of every name, they made that same call and asked the same question. And 50 of the 80 people on that list said, yes, we would be willing to receive a visit from somebody within the church. I want you to know that there is power in prayer. And for the most part, the church has let it go ignored. Next Sunday, I'm going to be talking about the topic of how to pray every day. And the following Sunday, when I wrap this up, we'll be talking about unanswered prayer. 
But why pray? I want to advance to you today seven reasons why we ought to pray. And the reason I'm doing this is because we are logical people. We are thinking people. You don't have to check your brain in at the door when you become a Christian. There are those out there that believe that the higher educated you become, the less likely you are to become a Christian. I believe that the more we begin to study, the more we begin to understand that God is in control. That there is a God. And so as logical people, I recognize that we don't do things unless we are motivated with solid reasons of why we should be doing something. And I want you to understand there are solid reasons, logical reasons, why we should pray. And the Scripture provides for us an understanding of why it is that God calls us to pray. The first reason that we should pray is you should pray because Jesus prayed and He taught us to pray. That doesn't get into the whole mystery of prayer and the relationships of God's sovereignty and our asking and does prayer really make a difference and all the kinds of things. But it starts out very simply. Jesus prayed. He prayed and he taught us to pray. In fact, you don't have to read very much through the New Testament. I just randomly took a book and began to sit down this week and jot some things down. And in the book I was reading, I noticed that at his baptism, he was praying. The scripture says that when he was at a certain place that he was praying before he called the twelve, he spent a whole night praying when he was at the Mount of Transfiguration. His change came as he was praying. He was praying in a specific place and the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. He also said in Luke 18, one, we ought always to pray and to not give up. For those of you that feel like you should be giving up because nothing's happening, don't ever give up because things are happening even when you don't see it. At Gethsemane, he prayed. On the cross, he spent those hours. We know from the words that he was speaking, he was praying while he was on the cross. Jesus was and is a man of prayer. In his earthly existence, he did not forsake prayer, even though he was the eternal Son of God and had the mind of the Father with him all the time. If there was ever somebody who didn't need to pray, it was Jesus. And yet he gave to us an example he modeled it before us. And sometimes a person who has newly become a Christian will come to me and they'll ask things like, should I be baptized in water? And I say, yes, you should be. There are many reasons to be baptized, but the first one is because Jesus said, repent and be baptized. If you enlisted in the military, you wouldn't think of beginning your service by disobeying the very first order that was given to you by the sergeant. It would be very unpleasant for you in boot camp. You wouldn't last very long if you were in the habit of disobeying. And we have an order from the commander of chief to be baptized. And we have an order from the commander in chief to pray as well. Why pray? Because Jesus sets the example and he teaches us to pray. It's called product endorsement in today's language. In fact, I was watching some football yesterday, and I discovered that Saturdays and probably this afternoon with the NFL kicking off will be the same way, that suddenly football players that you know of come out of the work work. These guys are great football players. They're lousy TV endorsers. Who knows how many takes it takes for them to get a commercial done. But there's something about seeing somebody that we admire endorsing a product that seems to lead us to believe that it must be a good product. I want you to know that that started with Jesus. He prayed. He said, you can trust the product. You can dive into it. If he prayed, we should pray. 
And he's saying, I do it. You do it, too. Secondly. God has chosen to do his work through our praying and not without it. I want you to think about that for a second. God has chosen to do his work through our praying and not to do his work without it. It's a mistake to think that it is a sign of strong faith for you to believe that you can do what the Lord wants you to do without praying and seeking his strength. In fact, if you are a Christian and you are living a life without prayer, I can probably indicate to you that you are not a very strong Christian. My praying makes a difference. And God has chosen to do His work through my praying and not without my praying. Here's some examples in Scripture. One of them is found in Mark chapter 9, and you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to tell you the story. Because it was when Jesus was coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and at the bottom of the mountain, some of His disciples are there trying to cast a demon out of a boy. And they are unable to do it, and they are unused to being able to be frustrated in the things of the Spirit at this point in time. And Jesus comes down and he sees what's going on and he casts the demon out of the boy. And then as he takes his disciples aside and he's alone with them, they asked Jesus, why couldn't we do this? What is it about you and your power that can do something when we are with you all the time, but we couldn't do it? There are some translations that add the aspect of prayer and fasting in this. And what Jesus said to them is that there are some things that never happen in the spiritual world unless they are backgrounded and surrounded and bathed in the context of prayer. Jesus doesn't mean that we have to have a time of prayer as a little group before we attack evil spirits. What he was talking about to his disciples at this time is a principle that's implied here. Is you need to have a continuing life of prayer because you never know when the unexpected is going to happen and you're going to need the power of prayer that has been bathed in you for whatever circumstance you face. There are issues that take place in our life, and I can tell you as a pastor, one of the most fearful things to happen is to have a call that I know is going to require something of me spiritually, and I didn't feel as if I was prepared to handle it in prayer. And so the Lord indicates to us through the implied lesson that He's teaching here that where there is little faith, there is little prayer. Where there is much prayer founded on the true commitment to God and His Word, there will always be much faith. And had the disciples been maintaining a life of prayer... As Jesus did, they could have dealt with this case. The Lord is indicating to us that there are going to be things that happen in your life that if you have built a life of prayer, you will be able to overcome those through the strength that is within you. If you have not had a life of prayer, it's going to be very difficult for you. The second example is in Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 22. And it said, at noonday, Peter had gone onto the rooftop to pray while a meal was being prepared. And God wanted to make a connection with him to a Roman centurion's home and bring the gospel out of the narrow cultural confines of Jerusalem's Christianity into a broader world of the Greeks and the Romans. And it was in this time of prayer that was taking place that God said to him, I want you to go to the house of Cornelius. And God began to put in order a plan and a model of how he was going to reach the entire world. 
There are going to be significant things that happen to you as a result of you being in prayer. Now, oftentimes we have the concept of prayer is that we do the talking and God does the listening. And then we give God our list of everything we need him to do for the day. We get up, we are done. This very clearly indicates to us that there is an aspect of prayer where we shut up and listen. That prayer is communication two ways. God has told us that we can feel free and bold to come before Him and express ourselves. He also indicates that prayer is not over when your list is done. That that's oftentimes when He is just getting ready to begin to outline for you and impart to you the things that you are going to need and the things He needs you to be obedient and do. Someone has said God cannot do some things unless we work. For example, He has stored... In the hills, the marble that has been used to build beautiful cathedrals. He fills the mountains with iron ore, but God has never made himself a jet plane out of those. He's required us to dig it out. If then God has left so many things to be dependent upon our thinking and our working, why should he not leave some things dependent upon our praying as well? And as that relates to our specific body of Christ here, It's one thing for us to have spiritual dreams. It's one thing for us to have spiritual visions, which we feel the Holy Spirit of God plants upon our heart. And I can tell as I speak to you that God is doing these things. It's another thing for us to pray them into existence. Otherwise, they simply remain dreams and visions that are unfulfilled in our heart because we were not willing to put forth the effort in prayer to see God begin to do what He wants to do because He's not going to do it without us. It's going to require of us our work. And so praying is a vital gateway of seeing God work in a greater dimension in our life. Sometimes that praying in Hebrews 11 language will shut the mouths of lions and will totally change the circumstances. And sometimes your praying will completely bring about miracles that change everything. At other times, and this is just as important to know as well, at other times it's through prayer that God will give you a special strength to make it through the storm you're in. He doesn't always calm the water. Sometimes he gets in the boat with you. And if you limit yourself in your mind to prayer as to what an answered prayer looks like only when God changes all the circumstances, you're shortchanging what God wants to do sometimes in your life and what he wants to prove to you. Hebrews 5, 7 says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. As we begin to look at this, we see Jesus not only prayed simple mental thought prayers, and there are times in our day when we simply think prayerful thoughts because we're not in a position where we can pray out loud. But I want you to also understand that prayer will require of you your emotion from time to time. We are emotional people. God has created that within us. And so when there are people that are praying with their emotions from the depths of their soul, that does not make it wrong. It just makes it sometimes different that the Lord says we will pray with everything within our being. There are times we pray calmly. But because we're emotional people, there are times that we will pray with emotion. I want you to know if if something serious is going on in your family, it's going to affect your emotions when you pray. There's going to be this pressing in until you get a breakthrough. 
Sometimes you can get by with a calm little prayer. Sometimes you need to get on your knees and cry and break through with God until something happens. Jesus knew that it was necessary for him to pray that God's purposes through him could not be accomplished. The cross could not have been accomplished unless he prayed. John 17, 20 says, we find that Jesus is praying for me. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. You and I are an answer to prayer of Jesus. I want you to know that today. You're here because Jesus prayed for you. We wouldn't be here if he hadn't prayed. I don't know anybody who gets saved without somebody praying for them. We pray and the angels begin to work and God begins to align things in such a way. I believe with all of my heart that when you're praying for the salvation of somebody, whether it be for a child or a parent or a loved one or a friend or neighbor, that when you pray that God begins to align things in their life with the help of your prayer that brings them to points of decision. And at that point of decision, they can choose at that moment to accept Christ or they can choose not to. But the more you pray, the more points of life are brought to points of decision. And sooner or later, when you pray, there's going to be a time when everything is going to fit. And they're going to say, I need you, Jesus, because he moves through your prayer. And if you're not praying, then there is no spiritual direction to the life of those that are lost. So we continue to pray. We need to pray because God's work doesn't get done without it. He has limited himself. Listen to this. God has limited himself and his power to work through our prayers. Number three, we are created for God and only in fellowship with God can we find the fullness of life. Prayer is the language of communication with the Lord that brings fellowship. When God created Adam, it talks about that in Genesis that Adam was lonely because all he was around was animals. There was no companion. There was no communication. Because Adam was created in God's image, he needed fellowship because God craves fellowship from us. And as a result of that, he created one to have fellowship with. For those of you who are married, can I just see your hand if you're married? You probably have learned this. Communication is necessary in your marriage. In fact, most problems in marriages stem from communication issues of not communicating, not telling her what you're thinking, not listening to what's going on in each other's lives. We get in trouble when we quit talking to God. We get in trouble when we quit talking to God. What happens when we fail to pray, when we quit communicating with God, is there's a hardness that begins to come into our life. And some of you know people who used to walk with the Lord, and for whatever reason, they quit talking to God. And after a while, it didn't take long for them to recognize they no longer had a sensitivity to what God was doing. They grew hard inside. Because it's in that communication with God that He speaks to you and keeps molding you and keeps you under the flame of His presence so that like wax, He can mold you. You remove yourself from the presence of the Lord, you grow cold and you grow hard. And it's easy to let a lack of discipline pile up. Once you haven't prayed for a while, you begin to feel guilty about it. We heard this morning that there's condemnation that begins to get upon your heart because that's how the enemy works. And it gets harder and harder and harder to put yourself back into a position where the Lord can speak to you. And that's the enemy says, ah, you've waited too long. He doesn't even know you anymore. 
It gets easier to just stay away while the Holy Spirit will draw you. Stay in prayer and stay moldable to what God wants to do within your life. The psalmist cried out, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Let the communication keep coming. And if you haven't had communication with God, start today. He's willing to hear you. When our heart is distanced from the Lord... Our problems in coping with life increase. Did you hear me? When our heart is distanced from the Lord, our problems in coping with life increase. If life is difficult for you, you better be on your knees. Because if you're not, it's going to get worse. Relationship with God, fullness of life, begin to take place as we communicate with Him. And if we quit talking to him, we focus more on the life problems than we do on the fact that he can change us in them. Number four, prayer is a means of cleansing the soul. First John chapter one, verse nine says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from some of our unrighteousness. Oh, you are listening. (laughs) Cleanse us from all. Nothing is not subject to the power of the blood of Jesus Christ within your life. Nothing you have done. Nothing you have done is more powerful than the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. David, after his sin with Bathsheba, acknowledged how he did not come to the Lord in prayer and he felt awful. And he stated that while I kept silent, in other words, while I didn't pray, while I ran from you, while I was ashamed, while I was in condemnation, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped. As the heat of the summer, it wasn't until he acknowledged his sin in Psalm 32 and began a life of prayer that the cleansing came with it. There's a cleansing that comes to us when we are in prayer. I wonder why it is that Christians have such a difficult time with worldliness. In fact, I was having a conversation with somebody that attends our church and we were talking about the way that we grew up and in a legalistic area of life. And, you know, there was a lot of things that we couldn't do. On the other hand, sometimes I think the, the, the pendulum has swung so far to the other side that we live in such grace today that we have forgot that there is a lifestyle of holiness that is required of us. That we think we can do everything and we just live under grace and God just winks at sin and says, oh, I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you to the point now where even within churches and those that come to the church and love the Lord, apparently, and and uh, say they're believers, that the divorce rates are the same as those that don't. We live in a society of throwaway marriages. Immorality in the church is high. We pursue materialism that excludes spirituality. Why are we having such problems with worldliness? We have the best teaching resources available to us in the world today. We can read books on our computers. We can read the Bible on them. We can have everything we need. Every resource is available to us. Never had there been a time when you could take all your favorite worship songs with you and plug them right into your head in the middle of the day while you're working and be humming along with them. And yet all of these resources together 
do not take the place of prayer. And without prayer, we will not know the convincing power of the Holy Spirit that will lead us to holiness. If I were to really put my finger at it, I would say that the reason we're having the struggle in church today is the absence of prayer. We need prayer to keep our hearts pure. As the song declares, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. Number five, prayer brings strength and power into the fight of life. I'm going to surprise you with something. Life is a fight. Life is a fight. There are battles that we have to face in life. There are times that you can be living under blessing one day and have a complete reverse the next day. Because life is a fight. It's not a piece of cake to live for God. It requires strength to live. My wife was having a conversation with a colleague at school one day. This individual was was worried about a presentation and, and my wife indicated to them that she goes, we'll be praying for you. My husband and I will be praying for you. And they said, oh, no, 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 don't do that. It's not that big of a deal. You and your husband don't need to waste God's time with my little problems when there's way bigger things out there for him to worry about. And we were talking about that and and we're laughing at that in the sense of how pathetic that there are those in the world that believes that God's not interested in the issues of their life and the issues of their battles. Well, when I line my battles up with somebody else's, theirs may be bigger, but God still said He wants to be in my life's battles. I want you to know that if you're going to receive Jesus Christ in this church, I want to be very honest with you. It does not mean that your life will be absent of difficulties from that day forward. In fact, it will mean that your difficulties will be different because no longer will you be going in the flow of the world. You'll now be fighting the current of the world. And it's going to require of you when you make that decision to follow Jesus Christ, that there would be an inward strength of the spirit that only comes to you when you are in communication with God to help you make it through. There are going to be days of discouragement. There's going to be heartache. There's going to be grief. There's going to be difficulties. You're going, Pastor, why don't you just shut up now before we never have another salvation again here? And the reason is this. I want to win you with the truth. I want Christ to win you with the truth so that He can keep you with the truth. There are many preachers that are winning people with something that's not true. And when the battles of life come, they wither and die because they never built a foundation on the Word and in prayer that will keep them in the moments of difficulty. We need the strength of God in life's valleys, and there will be valleys. 
He said that the weapons that are available to us are not of this world. They're divine with power to demolish strongholds. And we need prayer to bring us strength in this fight of life. In fact, I want you to open your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. In verse 14, the Scripture says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I want you to see verse 18, which ties it all together. And pray. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kind of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the saints. In other words, after you've done everything that you have prepared yourself for battle, this does not sound like God says, once you come into my kingdom, that you're going to be able to just run around through the tulips all day. He says, I want you to be prepared for battle when you come into my kingdom. Because you have an enemy that's like a lion that's seeking to devour you. You have an enemy that's not only just slinging arrows at you, but they are fire-tipped arrows to burn the very nature of God within you. And he says, you need all of this armor for this battle of life that you're in. And then once you put it on, pray, because it's prayer that brings that to life in you. If you're struggling this morning, it's time to pray. It's time to put on the armor of God and pray that brings it all together and brings it to life. Why pray? Because it's through the Spirit that it brings the armor to overdrive to help you out when you need it the most. Number six, why pray? Because prayer is essential in the spread of the gospel. There will be no growth of the church of Jesus Christ, no ingathering of the unsaved without prayer. And Jesus tells us that right off the bat in Matthew 9.35. When he says in Galilee, pray the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the harvest. In other words, he's saying, you want, you want to see growth? You pray it in. You pray it in and then you participate in it. God has this crazy idea about how to make a church effective. It's a crazy idea. If I were Jesus and I were leaving the earth and I was ascending into heaven, I would have left a copy of my new book. On how to grow a church with everybody. If I were God and I was going to be building a church, a New Testament church, I would have left some of the gold mined out of the hills to leave a billion dollar endowment that was there and it would be there for the power of the church over the next centuries. Can you imagine what at a normal interest rate that would look like today if Jesus had just left a billion dollars when he ascended and said, this is going to help the church. I'd have done some practical things if I were going to be leaving the earth to build a church. And, but, but this is what Jesus does. This is it. He says, I want to send people to an upper room. And 120 people in the upper room stayed baptized in the Holy Spirit. And everything that the church became from that day forward came out of one prayer meeting. One prayer meeting. When Pentecost fell, 
No billion dollar endowment. No book, except for this one. If it was that important for the start of the church, don't you think it's that important for the maintenance of the church and the church to continue to grow? Some people I've talked to said, I like a small church. And yes, we all like small, comfy relationships. But the fact is, if something is living, if something is alive, it's going to grow. If something is alive, it's going to grow. If you had a baby and it wasn't growing, the doctor would stamp failure to thrive on the, the book that demonstrates the, the medical makeup of that. I do not want God to stamp failure to thrive on this church because I want life because God is alive. And is at work through us. And so it's essential for the spread of the gospel. I think we ought to be praying also for every church in our area that's preaching the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That not only this church grows, but every church that proclaims Jesus grows in Syracuse in this area. For His sake, namesake. And number seven, prayer helps our faith to be a way of life and not a ritual. You want to know the difference between Jesus and the religious leaders of his time? As you begin to look through the New Testament and the interaction that he has with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the different leaders of of different religious places that he goes, the difference was this. It's fundamental. They looked at religion as a ritual. Everything they did was a ritual. It was a duty that you do. They went to the altar. They went to the temple. They did their deeds. And then they walked away from that and had the freedom to be a different person in the real world than they were in their temple world. And Jesus constantly confronted them with this and said, this is not religion. This is relationship. And it does matter how we act during the week, because in relationship, we are never outside of the presence of the living God. And Jesus taught us that we must have a way of life and that we are influences every moment of all 144 hours that we have in the week. That's exactly what is involved in being a Christian. Prayer helps us to avoid just being ritualistic people who say, if I come and put in my hour and a half on Sunday morning, God has to stamp me as good and I've earned something. There will be a lot of people shocked that went to church every Sunday and are left behind. There will be a lot of people that will be shocked because they gave their offerings and they did their good deeds, but never did it with a heart of relationship and will be left and they won't understand because they did all their rituals. The Lord says it's not a ritual. This is a way of life. I've advanced seven reasons for prayer this morning. One, Jesus prayed and he taught us to pray. Two, God has chosen to do his work through our prayer and not without our prayer. Third, we were created for God and only in fellowship with God can we have fullness of life. Fourth, Prayer is the means of cleansing the soul. Fifth, prayer brings strength and power in the fights of life. Sixth, prayer is essential for the spread of the gospel. And seventh, prayer helps our faith to be a way of life and not simply a ritual. So let me turn the question out of you. Let me turn it from why pray to will you pray? Will you pray? Once that we know that it makes sense to pray, the question then becomes, will you pray? 
This past Friday night, your board of deacons and Pastor Mark and I, we were we were supposed to go away this weekend for a for a leadership retreat. But the floodwaters around Binghamton kind of messed us up. So we had a we had a retreat night. And our district assistant superintendent, Bill Kirk, came in to to help train us and develop our leadership. And one of the things that I, I caught him saying over and over again was now that you've learned this, here's the action step. Here's the action step. It's one thing to hear things all the time. It's another thing to act upon them. So here's your action step. I'm going to ask the musicians if they would please come. I would like for you to have a regular time of prayer during the day. Now listen to me. This is going to be really, really, really hard for some of you. I want you to pick the five minutes of the day that you're most awake. I want you to pick the five minutes. Five minutes. Say, Pastor, why, why are you doing that? Because I learned a long time ago that if I start something small, I can generally do it. If I have to do every something big all at once, I won't do it. Five minutes when you're most wide awake, whatever time of the day or evening that is. Some of you get up at five in the morning and you're wide awake. I don't know what's wrong with you. Some others like me, I do my best thinking. My mind is sharpest between... 9.30 9.30 at night and 11.30 at night. Don't know why. And all the kids are going, that's why I should stay up late. No, it's not. But this is a discipline. And we can organize all we want to to get this church ready for what God wants to do. But if we don't pray, nothing will happen. Nothing will happen. You can begin to play. So I'm asking for five minutes. Find five minutes to pray. And make two and a half minutes of that five-minute prayer you presenting your needs before the Lord. And make two and a half minutes of that five-minute prayer simply sitting there and saying, Lord, my heart is open and my spirit is open to whatever you want to say. And then, for those of you that are journal-type people, just write down the thoughts that come to your mind. You'll be surprised that when you open the lid to your spiritual life and ask the Lord to speak to you, some of the thoughts that will come into you, jot them down. Some of them won't make any sense for a while. That's all right. Some of them will be things that you can apply instantly within that day. Five minutes. Every one of us can do five minutes. Some people don't pray because I don't know what I'm going to say for that long. Start with... Start with praying for me. Then pray for your church. Pray for your community. Pray for your job. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for those that you work with. You will quickly discover two and a half minutes is not going to be long enough and your prayer will begin to expand a little bit. Prayer is best learned while it is being done. You can't observe prayer and learn it. You have to do it. And so I'm going to ask that you would stand with me this morning. Because we're going to start today. We're going to start today. I've asked our worship team to come and I said, I don't want the musicians to come and sing because one of the things I've discovered is that when people are singing, I sing with them. Especially if I know the song. Our minds just kind of work that way. Today, I want you to take the next five minutes... And start on the action step of prayer. 
It's about seven minutes till noon. I'm going to ask some of you if you want to come and kneel at the front, you can do that. If you want to come and stand, you can do that. If you want to sit where you're at in your seat, you can do that. If you're here today and, and Jesus Christ is not your Savior yet and you, you've not invited Him into your heart, then start there. And just with your own lips say, Lord, I don't know why you love me, but I'm going to receive it. I'm going to believe that you died for me and ask that you would cleanse me of my sin and accept me into your kingdom. I want to be a Christ follower. Because the Lord says that he will respond to that prayer. Father God, I pray that over the next five minutes as we begin to take action steps of prayer, that Lord, we don't have to wait a long, long time because there are some that are impatient and if they don't see you doing something in their life in prayer, some of them are going to quit. So Lord, you said test me. So we're going to begin to test you, Lord. And we're going to begin to ask, Father God, that yes, we will lay before you our needs even though you are well aware of them before we ever articulate them. But Father God, I pray that in these next five minutes as we begin to begin the discipline of prayer, that you would begin to work with us and speak to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to feel comfortable coming and kneeling, you may do that. If you want to sit where you're at, you can do that. But find a place of prayer for five minutes this morning. Five minutes. Let's seek the heart of God.